One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush, and this is the New Statesman's Politics Podcast. Today, we're going to be looking at the junior doctor's current six-day strike, the longest walkout in NHS history. Hello, I'm Anoush Shekelian, Britain editor at the New Statesman and host of this podcast. And joining me down the line, I have Emma Runswick, junior doctor in the Northwest and the current deputy chair of the BMA Council. Now, Emma, we actually spoke, didn't we, just over a year ago in December 2022. That was before any doctor strikes had actually been called. Um, and junior doctors are currently striking for six days. We're, on the, we're recording on the second day of the strike. And as I mentioned earlier, that's the, the longest in NHS history. And it comes after an accrued 28 days of stoppage over the last year. Um, And there's been multiple periods of strike action by junior doctors and consultants as well in England since we last spoke. Um, What's changed uh, since we last spoke and and, and what hasn't, you know, why why has this been ongoing? Well, in in some ways, lots has changed. We've shifted the government from a position of no negotiations at all, uh, no discussions about pay to a place where they have uh, imposed, given um, 8.8% on average to junior doctors and 6% to most other groups of doctors and now has put uh, further offers on the table for consultants and SAS doctors and they have offered 3% additionally to junior doctors but that's an average again. So for most doctors still a real terms pay cut. In some ways um, there's been very little change. They still have quite unusual positions. So for example They refuse to talk whilst we have strike dates announced or whilst there is strike action on the table. They still um, go onto the the media and call us uh, childish or unreasonable. Um, They still um, insist that we, doctors, are the people who are responsible for patient safety concerns. They still have no understanding of the drivers of the doctor exodus from the country. Um, We still have a workforce crisis in the NHS. We still have growing waiting lists. We still have problems in our A&Es seeing people when they urgently need assessment and help. We still have a collapsing health service. And I was really hopeful that, you know, a year on, more than a year on, into this dispute, we would have resolved it and be in the process of of rebuilding. But actually what's happened is that in the last year, more than 8,600 doctors have applied to uh, the GMC for a certificate of good medical standing to leave the country to work as a doctor abroad. And leaving the NHS to work abroad has overtaken retirement as the the reason for leaving the NHS. Wow. And we are still in, in... 
utter crisis. So some things have changed. The government position has definitely moved as a result of strike action. But unfortunately, many things are just as bad as they were. Right. Okay. And let's, because you mentioned um, the pay uh, increases that, that the government has offered. Let's let's start by talking about that. Um, why isn't that enough? You know, I can think of a number of um, different workers that I've interviewed over this sort of era of industrial action who would have been quite pleased with with that settlement. Yeah, the dispute that we are um, having is a, is about pay restoration. Junior doctors have faced uh, you know now fifteen years of real terms pay cuts year on year, um, amounting to about twenty six percent less pay than we would have had if we were practicing in 2008. The work is not 20%, uh, 26% easier and there aren't 26% fewer patients. In fact, demand is much higher. Our range of treatments is is much better um, and therefore more complicated. We have an older population with lots more um, what we call multi-morbid conditions. So lots of different health problems, often competing priorities with each other. So the work is harder. And then in the last few years, obviously, we've had a pandemic during which, you know, many of our colleagues literally died. Um, and indeed, many of us have become uh, un- unwell from that, either physically from uh, repeated infections with coronavirus or, or mentally because of the uh, the trauma that we experienced through, through that period. And then we've had a, a massive period of large inflation um, which has further cut into our pay packets and, and the, the spending power that we have. So when you then offer, uh, you know, eight point eight percent on average for, for many doctors, it's less than that, or six percent for consultants and SaaS doctors. That's another real terms pay cut, another real terms pay cut on top of twenty six percent that we had already faced. It's really really difficult to stomach. Um, and it and it doesn't go anywhere near reversing the crisis that we have precipitated in the NHS by pushing doctors out of the country um, and indeed into other industries. If we want a service that is going to give good care to patients, the kind of care that we trained to provide, the kind of care that I want to give, I personally want to give patients, we need more staff. And if we keep losing staff um, who are our friends and colleagues, to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Ireland. We are condemning ourselves, those of us who stay behind here working in the NHS, to providing shoddy care, increasingly shoddy care to patients for our entire careers. I'm not yet 30. I hope to be working in the NHS, you know, well into my 60s. And and I want it to be good. You know, I look after patients who are mentally unwell, sometimes so mentally unwell they they don't need they need treatment. That's not the kind of service, it's not the kind of care that you can easily give in the private sector because people don't present themselves for care. So I I really need our free at the point of use service to be functional um, and to be a good place to work. Um, so so the offers that uh, the government are putting forward do not come close to fixing those problems for us. Um, and, and we'll keep fighting until we get something that, that looks like a fix because it's so important that we are able to keep a good care service running. 
Right. And those accumulated uh, real terms pay cuts that you laid out, they add up sort of um, roughly to the 35 percent that you are um, demanding, if our listeners hadn't heard that. Um, It's interesting because doctors in Scotland haven't been on strike and they accepted a 12 percent pay rise from the Scottish government. Is that something that you know that you see as something that could be comparable to something that doctors in England could accept or or do you see that as a sort of different playing field altogether the scottish offer is really interesting the scottish deal is really interesting um so in scotland they they called for strike action and the scottish government negotiated they put forward a, an offer which had some backdated elements to it and then an in year pay rise so the pay increase was approximately 17.5% plus a commitment for three years of above inflation uh, pay awards, i.e. no further pay cuts, and indeed step that, that's designed to step towards, over time, pay restoration to restore that pay that we've lost over the, the last several years, and a commitment to reform elements of the contract that make working in Scotland pretty intolerable. And they still have a contract from 2002, with fewer hours protections um, and safety uh, safety changes than we have in England. So the offer in Scotland was thought to be credible and put to members and, and accepted um, by, by a large majority of, of members. In England, the Westminster government doesn't have the, the constitutional length to offer a deal which requires you know, negotiations every year to have pay awards above inflation. And indeed, they've told us that they wouldn't be prepared to consider such a such an arrangement. Mm-hmm. But we would be willing to accept and 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 to put to members a, a whole variety of creative solutions that that put us on the road to pay restoration. And indeed, we we made reasonable progress ahead of Christmas, ahead of the December strike action, um, in discussing a variety of, of options uh, to begin to restore doctors' pay. Unfortunately, they they declined to put any of those offers to us, to our members, and um, stating instead that they would only put, you know, an average of 3% um, into pay directly, which is just not sufficient um, for all of the reasons I've just described. After the break, we'll discuss whether the junior doctor strike is putting patients at risk. If you're subscribed to the New Statesman, you can get all our episodes ad-free on the New Statesman app. You can get it on both iOS and Android. Just search for New Statesman on the App Store or Google Play Store. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Let's talk a bit about the politics of this. I know you're not on the junior doctors committee sort of in the negotiations yourself personally, but you will know more about what's going on behind the scenes than I do. Has it made much of a difference um, that Victoria Atkins replaced Stephen Barclay as health secretary in the reshuffle last November? Well, I certainly think there's been a change in attitude. Victoria Atkins has made lots of positive noises about wanting to make a deal with junior doctors and um, she is less competitive um, than Steve Barclay was. But functionally, that has led us to only another 3% offer. And she 
despite having a further offer that she tells the media she has to give us, declines to give it to us. So, you know, in some ways, yes, but in some ways it's just window dressing. The fundamental issues have have not changed. What's really interesting is that we are now also discovering just the, the, the politics is interesting that um mm. you know although we've had you know positive negotiations and uh, and a deal made in Scotland we are soon to have strike action also in Wales uh, so from the 15th of January we have uh, strike action under the labor administration there West Streeting's position has also changed quite substantially since I last spoke to you he now said that pay restoration would be a journey under a, under a Westminster labor government which of course we're happy to hear. So, so there's quite a lot of shifting ground on on the side of the politicians. What's not changed is that we need to restore doctors' pay, to keep doctors in the country, to fix the workforce crisis in the NHS, and to build a service that really the the public of of England and the wider UK deserve to have. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder if you think doctors are sort of treated differently by the government than other. Um, workers, because over the past couple of years, 2022, 2023, we've covered on this podcast a lot of different strikes, nurses, ambulance workers, midwives, but also, you know, other sectors, railway workers, the postal service, teachers, barristers. Um, Obviously, there are other strikes down the line. I think we're facing... um, uh, tube strikes in London, um, as I'm recording. But um, why is it taking so long to find a settlement in particular for doctors, do you think? Do you think the government sees you differently? Do you think they assume that the public assumes that you're sort of already well enough paid, despite all of the detail you've taken me through on the real terms pay cuts? I think it's certainly true that there's a lot of misapprehension about what doctors are paid, particularly junior doctors. I regularly find people even now, you know, 14 months into our dispute, that are surprised that junior doctors can be paid now as little as you know fifteen pound fifty three an hour. At the beginning of this dispute, it was fourteen pounds eight pence an hour, and we met people who just did not believe us. Just straight up, did not believe that that could possibly be true, including our own colleagues in the health service who would say, "Hang on, I thought doctors were loaded." <laughs> just a complete disconnect um, from from the reality. I think there's certainly uh, that to rely on if you are, you know, planning to um, increase pay for a group of public sector workers. The government can, to some extent, rely on the idea that medicine is well paid, that doctors are well paid, and you see it when they do the comparisons. And indeed, West Streeting's done this as well, where they say, "Oh well, doctors are not my first priority. I care about people yeah. who are lower paid than doctors, for example." And then they give a, a range of other people, particularly in the health service, but also in a, in other areas of government. Of course, we think all of those people deserve fair pay. None of us deserve real terms pay cuts. None of us caused the crisis in two thousand and eight that led to, you know, austerity. And, and real terms pay cuts across the public sector. So, so there definitely is that. There's also another difference. So um, when negotiating with doctors, the government are only negotiating with doctors. We have a different contractual and pay structure to the rest of NHS workers um, that we only share with dentists who are quite a, quite a small group. So pay awards or contractual change that affects doctors only affects the relatively small number of us that there are in in England, uh, you know, between seventeen and eighty thousand junior doctors, so it's not a huge group compared to those NHS staff 
basically everybody else shares a paying contractual structure called Agenda for Change, which is, you know, millions of staff. Yeah. So that means that we don't cost as much to have pay increases or, or contractual change for, and any agreements that are made with us are, are relatively well contained in a way that they aren't if you are making agreements with, for example, nurses. Um, so I think that's another difference. That's interesting. And I mean, just lastly, some of the talk over my Christmas break was, uh, you know, people expressing fears about the junior doctors going on strike for six days, which is the longest time that it's happened, but also over this period, which we know is when the NHS is under the most pressure. Um, you know, someone I know who was about to, who was, du- you know, due to give birth was worried about the implications for her. Another relative who, um, you know, has had uh, this terrible cough for a long time and has been waiting and waiting and having her, her appointment deferred and deferred with a respiratory team. There was a lot of worry about this and NHS chiefs have expressed fears for patient safety. What's your union doing to make sure that it mitigates those risks? Yeah, so um, doctors, un- unlike other groups of NHS staff, have a kind of inbuilt cover system from consultants and SAS doctors who remain in work and the vast majority of hospitals um, manage to plan really well for periods of uh, industrial action. Things are disrupted f- for sure. So clinics, um, elective surgeries and things won't go ahead. But urgent emergency and critical care is covered by those consultants and SAS doctors. Sometimes those those co- those cover arrangements will fall through. Um, and we have a process called derogation where trusts can flag that to NHS England and and we receive those those requests and can send junior doctors back to work in cases where where cover arrangements have have collapsed normally due to illness um and then of course we also respond um often very quickly uh, to major disasters or mass, mass casualty events um and in many of those those cases the requirement for junior doctors has has evaporated when the true true extent of the situation has become known. So, for example, when there has been um, capsized boats in the channel, um, we have uh, set people up to be derogated along the south coast in case there were mass casualties. And when it's become known that that isn't required, we then um, alert those doctors that they can remain on strike. So so we have a kind of regular meet-up system with NHS England and, and that derogation process that makes sure that we can maintain patient safety um, throughout the strike. Right. Okay. Well, thanks so much for um, filling us in on the strikes. And we'll we'll be watching closely to see how they play out. And perhaps we'll have you back. Thanks for joining us again, Emma. Thanks, Anoush. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to submit a question for us to discuss on a future podcast, you can do so at newstatesman.com forward slash you ask us. If you're listening on Spotify, just scroll down on the episode page and type your reply. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a question in the comments. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, and my guest, Emma Runswick. I'll be back tomorrow with the team to answer your questions in our next episode, You Ask Us. This episode was produced by Catherine Hughes.